This is episode 99 with Keegan Lamar. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and personal performance coach. Today, I sit down with Keegan, former college football player who merges the athlete's mindset into his work to help people discover what true performance can look like in every phase of life. He believes that people are capable of changing the world around them through mastering their mindset and performance to create an impact that's just as unique as they are. He is also the host of the Unstoppable Mindset Podcast, where he breaks down the mindset that makes inspiring individuals bulletproof in the pursuit of lifelong confidence, joy, and passion. This one's jammed packed with value today, so grab a notebook because I guarantee you, you're going to want to take some notes here. Let's hit it. Keegan. Welcome to the Athletic Mindset Podcast, man. Excited to have you. You're a fellow high performer, high achiever, and you're having a freaking second kid. How excited are you? Man, there's so much. I mean, the only thing I can say is life has these cyclical changes and I'm going through one right now. And and that being obviously having a kid for the second time. And it's so much more than just when you become a father, when you become a husband, when you, when you step into these different roles that life hands you or, or life introduces you to, you go through these cyclical changes. And so being able to recognize that that's happening and being able to really dissect some of that stuff and see how I can just approach it with the best mindset and with the best intent that I can has just been awesome. And obviously, you know, when you're having your second child and you've already had one, you understand how much that shakes up your world in in an amazing, beautiful way. And when the second one comes, you have a brief moment of, oh my God, this is going to, everything that's been going on, that's been taking energy and the craziness and all other stuff is being doubled. But also there's just totally new dynamics. Like you're, you have a kid who's over a year old, like understands what's really starting to go on around him. And then introducing something like this, you're really interested to see how they start experiencing stuff. And that's been the most fun part about being a dad really is, is experiencing life through my kids' eyes. And it causes me to realize sometimes I just have the worst attitude and the worst outlook on life because I'll be going through stress or something like that. And my son will just be standing there and he'll be like laughing and having a good time. Just like, okay. Like it just gives this crazy perspective shift as to what really matters. And I, I couldn't feel more blessed about it. I love that. I think it is uh, all about perspective and it's good. You have a practice rep under your belt already and you're, you're ready to go for number two here. It's funny. You say you set in a bad example of how you're handling stress. I hear it. And just when we connected originally a few weeks ago, I was like, man, this guy just has a great outlook on life. Like he's excited about all the right things. You have a great perspective. Where did that come from? Is it related to football? Was football kind of a avenue or a sport that lit you up the same way that you're getting lit up now by all these other endeavors that you're taking on? Yeah. It's really interesting that you bring up how sports plays into it. I think I've had a lot of points in my life that have challenged my ability to keep a really positive outlook whether it was within sports or or my personal life. And when I was a senior in high school, our head coach would, you know, during kind of the end of season banquet and stuff, he would pick a word 
for everybody based off of the fact that he's coached everybody for four years. Like he, he plays kind of a pseudo father figure to everybody who has the opportunity to be a part of the program. He talks to all the seniors and, and he really, he gives them this word and he describes why he's given it to them. And for me, the word was joy and everybody. Now here's the thing. Initially there were some people who like thought it was kind of silly or weird or something like that because there, there are people who have like grit and there's people who have like explosive or there's people who have like intense and then there's me and it, and it comes up and I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm one of the team captains. I'm one of the biggest people in the room. I graduated high school at like 290, 295 pounds. I held a bunch of records and stuff. And my word was joy. And I never saw that coming. I thought it was going to be something cool. And, but instead it's just this thing where it's just like, you know, it completely describes the person that I love being, which is this, I mean, some people call it a gentle giant type of thing. I call it like having the ability to understand I control my emotions. Mm. I could be as intense as I ever wanted to be. I could also be rattled the side of a anything, right? Like someone tells me something and it's with me all day long. So I, I, I've played on the whole spectrum of emotions, but really when it came down to where I operate from a really healthy place, and I didn't realize this till long after my sporting career was over was being in a place where I can find joy. And for me, joy is when you feel this sense of richness of experience and you don't like when you're, when you're pissed off and when you're angry, you can't find joy in the moment. Like you just can't because you kind of have these horse blinders on, you get tunnel vision because you're so focused on what's frustrating you. But when you are joyful in a moment, there's so much more that starts to have a light shown on it with whatever you're experiencing. Mm. And so for me, I actually took, I took these three emotions. And when I first started the business that I do on the back of my business card, you know, I, I said, what do I want people to walk away with and remember me by? What do I want them to experience? And I put three different emotions, confidence, joy, and passion. And the reason I did is because that's what I want, right? Like that's, that's what I want to walk as in everything I do, you know, confidence that I can take on anything and find a way to become successful at it or find a way to achieve at a high level within it through having the determination to do so and that self-belief joy in everything I do so I can get a richness of experience from everything that I'm a part of and then passion so that I can create massive impact mm. on others. Because if you don't, if you're not passionate about something, you're not going to be able to create impact for somebody else. So having a good outlook also, I mean, obviously it's something that has been this thread in my life. The other part of it came from when I understood I don't, have to internalize everything I experience. When I learned to let go, I found out I could be happier. When I learned to stop judging, I learned I could, I could love more and I could find more joy in the work that I do and, and joy within others, right? And I could be a reflection. If I'm talking to somebody and everyone, and I do this every once in a while when I'm, when I'm coaching people, I'll change the way my face is because I want to know that we're in sync. Mm. 
And therefore I use this method of entrainment where my emotion, like the way I look at you or the way, if I'm smiling, if I, if we're talking or if the way, if I, if I grin or if I, whatever, there's a, if you do that long enough, the other person will match you. And I want to know when I'm working with somebody that I'm in sync with them. And so I do that. And so every once in a while, and I know sometimes I'm not the one who needs to be doing it. So every once in a while I connect with somebody who I know has amazing energy and I start to entrain to them and it pulls me out of the stupid hole that I put myself in. And Mm. so being in a position where I know I can be a positive influence in other people's lives, it just naturally puts me in a state where I understand what serves me, what's okay for, for me to adopt and and what I want to do. And then I know exactly what I don't want to do. And I have that level of awareness. That's just been, it's been learned over a long time. And, And by that, I mean, I had to unlearn a lot of absolutely awful habits that you learn when you're growing up and you learn from society and you learn from everything else that most people are naturally exposed to. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I don't mention it. My mom's name is Joy. So mom, I know you're listening. I love you. I think that's a beautiful word that your high school coach gave you. And that was exactly where my mind went when I heard it. But I think it is very fitting. And it's really interesting because when you come from that space of feeling gratitude or feeling joy, you know, joyousness and happiness, the food is a little bit richer. The, co- the colors are a little bit more vivid in your day-to-day life. Your relationships are more fulfilling. And I think it's awesome that you related it there with passion as well, because I think we're told now, like, go out and chase your passion, find your why, like, get clear on that. And I think joy is that secret sauce behind when passion can be lacking sometimes. If you're coming from a place of joy, it's easier to lean into your passion. But if you're not feeling joy and you're feeling a little bit of a funk, you got to do some things. And I love what you suggested of talking to some other people that might be a higher vibe. And we can talk about how emotions have different vibrations to them. And I I immediately thought of a ton of people that when I'm in a funk, I give a, a message to, or I give them a call and say, Hey, look, this is what I'm dealing with. And I know after just five minutes, I'll walk away from that conversation, feeling lighter, feeling uplifted and feeling like I can tackle anything. Who does that for you in your life? Who, who brings you up? Who are you calling to help raise your vibration? Yeah. So the person who's probably been there throughout this journey of me figuring out how I tick, how I put myself in a position to be successful, how I understand my, my formula to success. The person who's been there and really been a mentor to me and still is a mentor to me, a guy who's coached for over 10,000 hours and, you know, 12 plus years of coaching. His name's Mike Green. He's someone who you could sit with him and he could share stories with you for days because he's traveled to every single continent. He has amazing experiences from every single one of them. And that's part of his coaching practice is actually helping people understand these universal truths that he's experienced while traveling the world. And he did it with like no money. Like he hitchhiked around the globe kind of thing. And so, and he has these amazing experiences that just show how much you can gain from connection with others. And so he's somebody who has this amazing perspective about people. 
And so it doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're doing. He understands your perspective. He also understands this global perspective of where things are actually at for some people. So he's someone who, when I talk to him, one, we can like shoot it back and forth. Like there's no tomorrow and we could, you know, bust each other's chops and and laugh and have a good time because we can be transparent. He's someone who I consider to be a part of tribe of mine. And I know, and I've used this term a lot frequently, really over this last year where I was listening to an audiobook. I'm an audiobook guy. If I start reading, I'm going to fall asleep in two pages. So I like to go on walks and listen to audiobooks. And there's this book called Mansfield's Book of Manly Men by Stephen Mansfield. And it's not what you think. It's not like how to be some burly tough guy. It's about the fact that being an intellectual, responsible, respectful, and, you know, if you're religious, God-fearing man, like what that means, it's not about becoming that. It's about the responsibility that men have in society as a whole, because for lack of better terms, there's a lot of men who stray away from that and they, they treat people poorly and they think they're entitled. They don't care about other people. They don't give, they do everything that people label as probably the wrong side of society that you're, that you're on. Mm -hmm. And this book is a call to action for men to actually be more of, of who they can be. And when I was listening to that, one of the biggest things that came up for me was the statement that he made that was about men have a hard time having friends, quote unquote friends, because they're usually people who you connect with twice, maybe three times a year, either through text or a short phone call. And you know, almost nothing about what's going on in their head. You understand on a surface level where they may be at, but you don't really know who they are and they don't really know who you are. You share with each other, like the highlights going on in your world. You maybe share a laugh or two and you talk about the past, but it doesn't serve you. It's not someone who in the middle of the night, you would call to say, I need to talk to you. I'm having like a mental breakdown. And I immediately thought of so many people in my life who are that definition of friends. And so I adopted this new term of of building a tribe, which is a tribe of people, not just men, because it's it's really this concept of iron sharpens iron. You can only become better by people who are pushing you and you are pushing them. And so I developed the concept of having a tribe. And it allowed me to understand the relationships that really mean something to me. And they are the people who I can call for 10 minutes every day, every other day. And I'm just like, I'm just thinking about you. Like, how are things? You were telling me about this. I want to know how it's going. Um, If you need anything, I'm here for you. Hey, I've got this business idea. I want to bounce it off you. Do you want to be a part of it? And you know everything that's going on in their world, you know, down to the fact that you can sit there and you can talk. And I've recently you know, had a conversation where things were tough and I, and I needed somebody to call who wasn't my spouse to talk through some of this stuff and really, really let out that side of me that a lot of people, you know, don't normally get right. So those are the people who I connect with and I entrain with because they see me objectively. They see the part of me that they know is in there. So when I show up as, you know, some piece of crap with like a paper bag on his head, they're like, nah, like this, 
what the hell's going on. I know, like, let's pull back some of this stuff. What's happening because this isn't you. And because they understand the best parts of me and, but they also understand what takes away from some of those things. And they help me remove those things because I'm a full believer that life is about building with not building for. And there's this concept of everybody's a professional and let me, you know, I'll build your social media. I'll build your business. I'll do this. I'll do that. And people do things for us. And all they want is money in return. It doesn't create this concept of connectivity, which a huge part of finding joy is building with, is connecting with other people, tapping into that inner wisdom, finding a state of flow. Most times you find that easier with other people. So when I connect with other people to entrain and just check in with them, you know, sometimes I do it consciously. Sometimes I check in with somebody and just by the nature of them being a part of my tribe, they can pick something out that they say, Hey, what's really going on? And you just like, and suddenly you're like, I had no idea that I was in a funk, but talking to you and, and, and being able to connect with you helped me figure out what that was. And I'm so incredibly grateful that I adopted that term because it made it easier for me to not have to feel obligated to connect with the people who don't do anything for me and be more comfortable saying no. Cause I think that's another thing that people are so afraid of is hurting other people's feelings. That's a judgment. And if you just take mm-hmm. an action based off of, Hey, this is what serves me the most right now, then other people do with that information, what they will. But if you're unwilling to make decisions in your world, then you forfeit the ability to make decisions. And then you're going to be where the news wants you to be, which is at effect. Hey, everything's going on and you're just, you're here for the ride. It just puts you in a state of feeling more in control when you change the definitions of, of things that you, you know, that serve you. Yeah. I love that. And that last little bit too of, I've, I always say it's coming from a place of being proactive and we know it in the flow state when it's like that next move just shows itself to you and it's easier one. I mean, there's, we could talk group flow all day in the sense of you probably got that a lot in your playing days where the vibration of the team around you helped elevate your play and vice versa. That's why team culture plays such a, a role in championship culture versus, you know, losing all the time culture. It's, it's hard to get out of that funk. Which and I, I dealt that. with, I think I won in my college career. I've got five wins. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> baby. A loss. Yeah. I was very much on, on the, the latter side where I understand how quickly like that, that entrainment feeling of things are crappy, how it, it, one, it's so easy for people to get caught up in things suck Mm -hmm. because it's such a heavier energy and therefore it's easier for you to be brought down by it than you to be lifted by a much lighter energy, which is positivity. I mean, I consider that a blessing having played for a team that we were the inaugural team for the PAC 12 as our inaugural season. And we got our asses handed to us all the time. People broke broke records on us, what it felt like almost every other week. And it's just so difficult to continue to pick yourself back up. And looking back on it, I can understand so much more about why it was such an important part of my life rather than, hey, I sucked at football in college. No, I didn't. I was a part of a team that was a part of a process. Mm -hmm. And 
the process has a natural beginning, middle, and an end, and it's cyclical. Just like there are, there are teams that three, four years after I did, like they went to a bowl game, right? And they, and they were winning the Pac-12 South and all this other stuff. Stepping stones. Everybody thinks everything has to happen so quickly, and they don't realize that maybe you're a part of the long game, and you just need to embrace where you're at in it. Yeah, and I think you started off this conversation talking about the cyclical seasons of life and you're approaching obviously a a major one with the birth of a second child it's really i find making sure that your expectations are matching the season that you're in if you were going into those seasons while at colorado that you were gonna win a national title and you ended up it's the first year in the pac-12 not playing so hot like there's gonna be a lot of anger and more of that heavy emotion Whereas if you look at it as this, wow, this is so cool. It's our first season in the Pac-12. Like, let's just see how we do. And I know that's like a weird way to approach sports in particular because we want to be winners. But that's what this podcast is about. It's what the coaching I think you and I both do. It's it's more than just winning. It's more than X's and O's. It's these other seasons. And I think it's prepared you for having realistic expectations, knowing that Hey, maybe when I have a kid, it's not the same time that I should be trying to scale my business and train for an Ironman because yep. I just can't do all of those things within this season. It doesn't, it's not a reflection that you can't do those things in your life at some point. Yeah. It's just an understanding of it is that longer term. What's, yeah. And go ahead. So, and, and really quickly, because you said some amazing stuff there. Like, first and foremost, you brought up expectations. Now, and I've talked a little bit about this in the past and the easiest example to use is like new year's resolutions. Mm. Hey, I want to lose some weight. And people are like, they watch a few, you know, YouTube videos. They see a couple people with 400 abs on Instagram and they're just like, Oh yeah, two weeks from now I'm going to lock down and I'll be good. And then it doesn't happen because their expectation was if I eat chicken and rice for two weeks, I will have the body that I want understanding that they've done damage to it for two decades mm-hmm. and they're like two weeks will fix that terrible expectation. And the reason people quit is because they set performance expectations. They don't set behavioral or mastery expectations. Now, what I mean by that is it's okay to go into your sporting season and say, I want to win it all. Great. That gives you one way to win and one way to lose. You either win it all or you don't. You have to understand ways to tip the scale more in your favor to be able to create success. Okay. You want to win it all. Awesome. What does that mean? You need to be willing to change. Someone might say, I need to be willing to like wake up early and do extra workouts. That's a behavior. Mm -hmm. I need to be willing to have deeper conversations with my teammates so that when we're out on the field, we're in sync. That's a behavior. I need to be willing to invest in my mental performance and make sure that I don't have stuff that's gumming up the works and allows me to play free. That's a behavior. Like these are things that you're putting in place that not, that you think about people who are champions. You'd say, what makes them a champion? 
And they'd be like, well, he's someone who wakes up really early. He's someone who talks to his teammates all the time and they trust him. He's someone who invests in his mindset so that when he's out there, he can play clear headed. He's someone who eats the right food. He's someone who is a student of the game. When we describe champions, we describe behaviors or we describe certain mindsets. We don't describe like, oh, he's a champion because he's won so many things. Mm-hmm. He's won this, he's won that, like, or, or he has $20 million. Like that doesn't make a champion. When you drop the performance expectations and you adopt by the end of the season, I want to be the person who communicates with my teammates the most. Or when you're, when you're in a business, by the end of this quarter, I want to be the person who is the most trans, who can have those transparent conversations so that the needle continuously gets moved on projects by being realistic and understanding where people are actually at what their distractions are and how I can help them move forward and remove those blockers. I just described a bunch of behaviors and those are things you can control. And whereas people are like, they think, you know, I want to win state championship. Great. That means you're going to have to control everything else around you as well. You play a piece of that, but you don't control everybody else. And there's often a lot of factors that are out there. And so when people can shift expectations from performance to mastery, which is mindset, which is lifestyle, which is behaviors, that's when stuff really starts to change. And then you go from, hey, I want to, I want to have this rock and bod within a month to I want to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And if that means I have a rock and bod, then it's a part of it. It's a benefit of living a lifestyle of being healthy because being healthy has a bunch of behaviors associated to it. So you're setting your sights on something that's forever going to continuously change that you're always working towards. That isn't some type of finish line. It's a lifestyle of continuously building. Yeah, I love that. I have a a Nike shirt that says no finish lines. And I think that's a great motto for life that it's, it's always moving forward doesn't mean we can't express gratitude for the wins along the way. I think a lot of what you're talking there too, is we have to undo a lot of the global and societal expectations on us of how this process is supposed to work in the sense of you and I both know it's a behavior issue. We have to change certain behaviors to get the performance and the results that our clients are saying that they want. Yeah. But they're just so focused on that. They don't care about the behaviors as much. They're just like, yeah, but I just want the results. Yeah. What have you found to maybe in your own life or the people that you're working with to help them embody those behaviors and step into that champion mentality and start living that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Everybody wants that lifestyle, right? Where they wake up and you feel like Rocky, right? Like you feel like you wake up to a montage of you just, you know, being great. But the people who actually do that are the people who are wildly disciplined. And I say wildly as in their entire world is disciplined, is built around specific behaviors and actions that lead to them being successful. They understand what their formula to success looks like. There is no one size fits all for a formula to success. And also, and I believe that performance, AKA the results that you get in life is based off of two things. One, your potential to get those things. 
and then the distractions that take away from those things. That's what I focus on. I focus on distractions because I think mm-hmm. it's the stuff that no one wants to talk about. Everybody says, you know, I want to, I want to write, you know, create a, a website that's a blog website that monetizes and all these other things, but yet they spend six hours on social media a week and just looking for dumb videos that hopefully make them laugh, make them smile, whatever. And they wonder why they can't be more productive, why they're not in a state of feeling creative, why they're not putting out really good content, why people's no one's engaging with it. And they have all these bad or, or not good or bad, but they have these things that are distracting them, mm-hmm. right? Like for some people, if you are an Instagram influencer, being on Instagram six hours a day might be exactly what you need to do. But if you want to go and, and be a great athlete, being on Instagram six hours a day is not serving you one bit. It, de- it depends on the results that you really want to get. One, people have to get hyper, hyper concerned with what they actually want. Are they wanting what somebody else has? Or are they wanting something that actually brings them joy? That actually brings them something that they're like, if I could do this, like I would be so stinking happy. And usually it's a that sense of fulfillment. And it's usually not a, it's not something where it's just you. People, some people say, I want to build a great business. No, you don't. Like that's a byproduct of you doing something else. So talk about impact. Like that's the first thing I would tell people when you want that amazing lifestyle, you first have to understand the impact you want to make on the world or just one person. For me, I get, and if any of my clients ever hear this, like, don't give me crap the next time we have a conversation. Just know it's happening. When I get on a phone call with somebody or a Zoom or anything, when I'm talking to a client, I get so passionate that I start sweating. Like, it's why whenever I do most of the stuff that I do with with the work that I do, I usually wear darker clothes because I start sweating, I heat up. Hmm. And it's it's not because of nervousness or anything like that. It's passion. And I know it is because I walk away and I feel incredible. Like I feel like that feeling when you just did a workout and you're like, I I feel amazing. I feel almost cleansed. Like, and it comes from when I graduated college, I had no job. I had, you know, nothing lined up, anything like that. And of course, everybody and their mom's asking me, hey, what do you want to do with your life? You know, what are you going to do now that you're graduated? What do you have lined up? And I had nothing. So the response that naturally came up for me was, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want to find success by helping other people find their success. It was a passion statement. It was when I felt like I kind of blacked out and I didn't really think much of it at the time. But as time went on, I realized, oh my God, when I do something that helps me be in a position where I can help somebody else find their definition of success or find what success is. Maybe they know their definition. They just don't know how to get there. When I can help somebody find success, that's what I deem as being successful. Everybody has their own definition of being successful, but you have to tie it with impact. Mm. Find that definition of success, tie it with an impact that you want to have on someone else's life, which might be, I want people to think I'm funny. I want people to think I'm loving. I want people to think I'm giving. Tie those things together. Like what does success mean to you? What do you want people to experience from you? 
great. You should already probably start having some type of subset of things you could do, aka things you like doing or things you find interesting that align with that. And then eliminate distractions. The thing no one wants to talk about, right? Like distractions, I think of it this way. If you are have something in your life or are doing something that you know is not great, give it some type of percentage value. And I like from an energetic perspective, like, and it could be a totally arbitrary number, 2%, 3%, whatever. It like 10% would be large. 1% would be something rudimentary. And add up throughout the day how many things you would deem to be distractions. Eating crap food. being on social media, 2%, procrastination, 5%, whatever. That's pulling, those percentages are pulling away from your potential. Imagine running a marathon and then imagine running a marathon at 75% capacity, AKA take away one of your limbs, possibly even more because your Mm. one limb is not 25% of your body. Like, maybe a little bit more. Are you going to be able to run that as efficiently? No, hell no. So you have to understand what distractions do to you and you have to embrace distractions. When I, I know what distracts me because I write it down and I study it. And distraction is a process. It's an actual pro it's not a thing. It's the process of pulling your attention away from something or you're engaged with something and you're actually more passionate about something else. That's how distractions work. So you have to pay attention to them and you have to be willing to talk about them. It's what I talk about with CEOs. They're like, I want to do this. I'm like, okay, what's getting in the way? And they're like, well, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm like, I heard five things. And if each one of those things is potentially costing you a quarter of a million dollars, you've got a lot of debt on your hands right now. Like, and then you work through them, you Mm -hmm. mitigate those distractions, you resolve them, you own them, you do something about them. And then it frees you up to actually be able to continue to move forward because you can't have that amazing lifestyle and just be like, I'm going to practice this amazing lifestyle every day and not do anything about the stuff that has caused you to be mediocre your whole life. If you ignore the stuff that makes you average, then how do you expect to be more than average? There's so much to unpack there. There's a lot to digest there. I I know. (laughs) I love your marathon analogy only because, well, this will have happened in the past at this point by the time this is released, but I'm running a solo marathon next week. So a week from today about, and I can, I'm nervous for it with a fully functioning body. I can't imagine not having it. So that really hit home for me. I think it's a quote I keep hearing in my head as I'm hearing you talk about distractions is the more you know who you are and what you want in life, the less you let things affect you. Mm. And I think it sums up what you teach on so well and you hit on it. You help people understand their purpose and their passion, what's lighting them up, and you help them eliminate the distractions. You help things not affect them as much. Yeah because they're chasing what they actually want in life. What are some distractions right now for you that are coming up on a daily basis? And how are you personally filtering them? 
Yeah. So number one with everything, obviously with the the pandemic going on and, and having a baby, like there's all these precautions and other stuff that, that go around and it's obviously it, it can be stressful. It's more stressful to my wife clearly because she's the one who has to deliver the baby. It can be a distraction if I get worried too. It doesn't mean it's not valid to be worried about it, but I have a choice of how I want it to play out in my world. And for me, that can be, if, if I know it's a distraction, me being like worried, right? Sometimes wearing a hat, being like, this is going to serve me more. And that side of it is actually detaching emotionally, which allows my wife the space to not have to clash with my emotional side. And it actually allows me to become more rational because I'm removing the emotion from, from that specific situation. And I'm picking something that serves me even better. So that's just an example. And I've had to do that numerous times. One thing that helps me mitigate distractions a lot is one, either understanding if it's a, an assumption, an interpretation, or a limiting belief. Those things can all be taken care of relatively easily. An assumption is just, hey, I'm assuming past is, the past is going to repeat itself in the present, which you can easily say, Am I just believing that it will, or do I know that it will? And if you're believing that it will, then learn to let go, right? Like it means you have some unresolved stuff that you need to actually talk about. If it's an interpretation, it's a judgment. You know, if if you see someone who is a custodian and you think, you know, how could somebody like, that's not a great job. You're placing a judgment on it. You never know. That guy might be a billionaire Bitcoin person. And he just wants to do some blue collar work because he feels this sense of, you know, but you don't know, right? Like you have no idea. You're just placing a judgment on something that you see, which means get over yourself. Realize that you have these lenses that you view life through. Sometimes you have to pull them back and you have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And a limiting belief is just a story you tell yourselves. Guys like me don't get girls like her. That's a story, which I thought I was that person until I met my wife and she was the most gorgeous human being I've ever seen in my life. And I was just like, I need to strip this belief away immediately or else this doesn't stand a chance. And people will hold on to those limiting beliefs so much that it will actually become toxic and it'll grow into these bigger things that they have no idea what to do with. Other distractions for me are getting into the oh, well, if I'm in this industry, here's what I need to do. As someone who is by trade, a mindset coach, mindset performance coach, sometimes you think you have to, you know, write a bunch of articles. Sometimes you have to feel like you're doing a bunch of podcasts. Sometimes you have to believe that you're networking with your ideal client all the time. Sometimes you have to think, and all these activities are relatively accepted, but it doesn't mean they're going to help you in what you currently really want. If my goal is to work with, is to change like five people's lives, right? I want, I want five raving fanatics of the work that I do. Writing articles won't help me get there. Instead, creating a meaningful connection with somebody who I can actually see, one, a great relationship with, mm-hmm. and two, someone who is in a position where they're wanting to invest in 
having their life change. Because when you're working in this space, you definitely understand that there's like, I, as a coach, you can't be the one who always comes with the energy. Like I can just provide tools that help other people uncover what really works for them. And then they put it into action because they get lit up by it. That doesn't happen if a client shows up and they want nothing to do with this. It's only when they show up and they say, I want stuff to be great. Stuff is not great. I want to work with you. When you feel like, I mean, for me, like if I want to change people's lives, I can't be sitting around doing everything, but connecting with people who want to change their life. Mm -hmm. So eliminating all the peripheral things, which I've actually taken a small hiatus from, from doing podcasts myself. I have stuff recorded. I haven't posted it yet because I am making it seem like I either do the activities that move me towards the goal that I really want, or I feel completely useless. I cut out all the extra things that feel like busy work while running your feet and going nowhere, which a lot of people have a, like, I call it putting yourself in a corner. Sometimes people actually get things done when they feel like their back is against the wall. Mm-hmm. So naturally create that in a, in an environment you can control. We can all control the technology that we use. We can control when we use it. We control the food we smack in our face. Like we control all these different things. You have to be willing to say, this is what I really want right now. And then say, these are the things that will actually help me get there. These are the things that will not help me get there. And I go through it all the time. Now, here's the kicker. There are things that sometimes you enjoy doing and you know it has nothing to do with your goal. For example, like let's say you're someone who enjoys playing video games. You know it's not going to help you build a business empire, but you enjoy doing it. Give it a purpose. Give it a purpose and be disciplined. Say, I enjoy doing this because it gives me this and I'm going to therefore respect it and give it the time it deserves. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm. And when you create structure in your life around everything that you do, you actually create a sense of freedom. I can build a huge business and I can play video games and I can work out and I can be a great husband and a great father and this and this and this and this. Why? Because I've created the structure in my life that allows me to do those things. Discipline is such a beautiful thing. And for the Jocko Willing like fans out there, it's like, you know, the whole discipline equals freedom. When like heroes in movies usually are the people who everybody's like, I want to be like that guy. It's because they operate with some form of a code of ethics, which is essentially a disciplined lifestyle. Mm-hmm. People hate these villains in whatever who are just sporadic and follow no code or whatever. It's what makes them the bad guy because they don't operate in any form of a, like, this is how I do things. This is how I will do things. And this is how I won't do things. And, you know, I call it kind of like the Batman principle. The fact that he follows a strict code is why he's an icon. It's why he's a symbol for other people. People resonate with that and they want that for themselves because they Mm -hmm. understand he, you could drop him into any scenario and he'll come out on top. It's because he has a way in which he does everything that you know you could drop him into any scenario and he'll figure it out. Doesn't matter who they are, right? Like it's it's all about that discipline. Yeah. And what I keep hearing too, 
I mean, discipline, I love it. It's something I try to live and introduce into my life constantly. It's really about, to me, when it boils down to it, intent behind your actions. Like, I heard it when you were saying, like, if there's a space because you enjoy video games, create a space for it. There's an intention behind it. It's no longer a mindless habit that you just walk by the couch, you pick up the controller, and now three hours have gone by. I think so many of us suffer from the phone now where we just subconsciously and mindlessly open up Instagram, open up TikTok, open up like whatever the social platform is that we are indulging upon now. It's hard to keep up these days. It's always changing. There's always a new distraction. And the other thing that I'm hearing too from you that sounds like you're pretty good at is understanding like when someone else comes to you and tries to push their their thing onto you. Like for example, if I was a PR person, I'd be like, Keegan, I love your content, man. It's fantastic. We got to get this out to more people. But your focus and intention right now is getting those five raving fans. That PR is actually going to do you more harm than good. Unless there is a way for you to them to get you out there and you to go straight all the articles, yeah. you don't have to yeah. actually and do I, the work. And I, and I love the way that you <laughs> position that because the version of that that I think a lot of people understand is the person who's a health nut on Instagram who's like, I want to talk about like actually living a healthy lifestyle through these particular things, and it gets like five likes. And then they post a bikini picture or something like that. And their likes go through the roof. It's the PR thing, right? It's what's going to get the most attention. What's going to get the most interaction. Everybody's so focused on attention and interaction that they forget why the hell they're doing any of this stuff. It's to make themselves live the life that they believe in. It's not that they believe they deserve or anything. It's the one that they actually believe in. They say, this is what makes me happy and fulfilled and feel effortless. If you feel like everything you're doing is work, it should tell you something. If you're doing stuff and you're just like this, like time flies by and I feel amazing when I'm engaged with it. Great. Keep doing it because I can tell you this much. There are people who make millions of dollars streaming video games and they're because it's because they're people who really enjoy them and they just they have this lifestyle that they've built around it. And other people are like, this person's at the top of their game in this specific thing. I want to support them. There are billions of people out there who are willing to do the same thing. When you are at the top of your game, people will pay you to continue to do it. It's it's the amazing thing about the global economy is if you introduce discipline in your life to foster what makes you feel incredible, you will go very far. You will become amazing at it. You will feel incredibly successful and fulfilled and all these other things. And people will just give you money. And because they're witnessing somebody doing something incredible, some, someone who has dedicated their life to a discipline comes full circle. Again, it's like when people go and watch a movie, we love watching Iron Man because, you know, he's funny, he's quirky, whatever, but he has a code of ethics that he follows ultimately, and he's willing to be disciplined. You can be that person. You can be the, you know, the the Batman or the Iron Man or the whatever of whatever specific thing that you want to do that makes you really happy. 
You just have to be disciplined about it and play the long game. Everybody's so worried about short-term this, short-term that. If you take a week off from everything, you'll come back in a week and you'll be like, oh, everything's still here. It comes to show you like things, like it's okay to take a breath, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and I'm getting ready to take a nice big long breath, having a new baby. And you can set yourself up to be able to do those things too. Like with, with all your other actions. I mean, I love, uh, I love the way that you put that, especially from the PR perspective, like don't let the facade of Mm. success, don't let it determine the actions you feel you have to take. Yeah. And that's what I love about you and the work that you do is you provide clarity around that facade of success and you actually help people understand at its root. What does it truly mean to them? I think we could go back and forth for hours and I would love to, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to end with the fast five. They're five, one sentence or one word answers from you. And then we'll have everyone go and find you here. Number one is what's your go-to podcast that no one's heard of. What are you jamming out to right now? My go-to podcast I'm a big fan of uh, listening to the Jocko Willing podcast, not because I'm a big military, like I, I was never in the military or anything like that. It's simply because what they share is very straightforward and it cuts out a lot of the the BS that some people like to fill their episodes and stuff with and they share stories. And, and I love listening to the mindset behind people mm-hmm. who live an incredibly disciplined lifestyle. So definitely that's that's a go-to for me for professional. Now I have other ones that are more on the comedy side, things that make me laugh and all the other stuff. And I'll share that out probably another time. (laughs) I love it. I was a little thrown back by his podcast. I thought I was going to get like the Jocko style book of very disciplined, like motivation, like almost like a speech. And then I plugged it in. It was like a two hour history lesson. I was like pleasantly surprised, but not what I expected. Number two, feeling educated. Yeah. Number two, favorite book I would say you've read in the past year, but favorite book you've listened to in the past year. (laughs) Favorite book has to be, there are, I mean, a few, and it's always growing in terms of what's my favorite, but the one that I always love going back to is probably the inner game of tennis because it's more about sports or it's it's more than just sports. Mm -hmm. It's really this, metaphor for life in terms of when you're, when anything's going on, there's two forces that are at play. The person that's actually doing it and the person who wants to tell you how to do it and understanding how to control these two sides of yourself and understand how they can work in harmony can change everything for you. Obviously I have a massive book list that I would, if anybody's ever wanting to understand or, or, hear about that are some of my all-time favorites. I mean, I have a very long list, but the easy listening always can go back to it and always get hyped up by it is the inner game of tennis. I love it. I'm an avid reader myself. So I selfishly ask those questions to expand my <laughs> bookshelf. I'll share it with you. I'll share it with you. I love it, man. I appreciate it. And we'll put it in the show notes for the people that are interested as well. Number three, what's a quote you live by? Quote I live by. Great question. Great question. I mentioned this 
before probably the one that the one that I love the most is like, there's no such thing as a self-made person. If you feel like you're tracking along a road and you're doing everything on your own, you're lone wolf in it, stop. There's no such thing as a self-made person. This was a quote by Arnold Schwarzenegger when he gave a commencement speech at a college and everybody says he's a self-made everything. He's like, I'm not. I've been taught something along the way. And the more we embrace the fact that there's knowledge outside of us, whether you're reading a book, whether you're you're getting connected with somebody, there's more knowledge to be had by connecting with other human beings. And like I mentioned, connectivity is one of the main components of finding joy. So understanding that there is no such thing as a self-made person should be liberating for a lot of people. And it's one that I live by very much. It's the weight of your the weight of the world's off your shoulders when you really truly embody that. Number four here is what's one thing you can't live without? Oh man. One thing I cannot live without without a space to exercise. My wife and I, mainly me, we talked and we we decided that we were going to turn part of our home into a gym, like a, a nice gym. And I realized how important by not having something like that, how important it was to have something like an exercise space, a dedicated exercise space, Mm. how much it meant to me. Because one, physical health is, you can't do anything if you don't have your physical health. Two, obviously it, it completely transforms your mental health. It can take over your mental space and it can refresh, it can cleanse it out. And also putting yourself in small, points of discomfort for long-term gain is natural when you have a place to exercise. Now, obviously there's a thousand ways you can start to introduce discomfort to yourself, but when you have an exercise space, you're able to do that. For me, I can't live without something like that. Yeah. I think that's the bigger picture that those current athletes listening in here need to take away of all that stuff that they're going through, that discomfort, there's a place for it and it's going to serve you wonders in the next life if you tap into it and you know how to use it last one for you should be an easy one. What's your one word focus at this point in time? Growth growth last year, I picked the word change Mm. and legitimately (laughs) everything in my world changed. I, it changed to the point where I had almost my wife and I had almost no money. We had a baby on the way and this was like, 2019, September, 2019, it was right after my birthday. I said, I want change. My wife was five months pregnant and we lost almost everything due to a wild amount of things that started happening. And I immediately went, Oh crap. I have to be very cautious about what I ask for. And this year it's about growth. I went through all that change and within a year of all that change, it was I realized that change meant clearing stuff out that doesn't serve me so that it can make room for more beautiful things. Mm. I'm talking to you from a home that my wife and I built from the ground up and we went from having almost no money to this and a second baby on the way. And now it's about growth. It's about personal growth and finding a way in which I can scale the impact that, that I make. So it's absolutely growth. I love that. I think of the Phoenix like being reborn from the flames and coming back. 
a beautiful thing. And it sounds like you guys have a beautiful thing going right now. I want to acknowledge you for the time, your presence, and just the knowledge you shared on here today, Keegan. It's, it's mind-blowing stuff. I learned a lot. And like I said, I we could bounce this back and forth all day. Where can those listening in find more of you and connect with you if they want to find you after this? Absolutely. So you can find my website, which is lamarcoaching.com. Maybe going under undergoing a little bit of change here sometime soon as I'm honing in my brand a little bit more. It'll probably be reflected on there. That's one place where you can go to just learn a little bit more about me, read up on a couple of testimonials, other things like that. You can also shoot me an email directly. I always give this out because I believe in true connection with people. My personal direct email is Keegan, K-E-E-G-A-N at lamarcoaching.com. Email me, tell me that you listened to this episode and like, and let's talk. I love networking. I love just listening to people because even if there's, if you don't even want to do any form of coaching or anything like that, if you're just looking to connect and you're just looking to be in a space where you know, you'll be heard, like, let me know. You can find me on social media. LinkedIn's a great one. Just go to Keegan Lamar or you can go to Lamar Coaching. I have a business page. You can go to Instagram at Lamar Coaching. That's my personal one. I hardly use Twitter. If you reach out to me on there, I'll probably see a notification and I may respond to it next year. (laughs) So those are the main places that you can find me. I mentioned earlier that I've taken a little bit of a hiatus from posting episodes on my podcast, which is called the Unstoppable Mindset Podcast. Even with that, there's almost 80 episodes on there, all about different topics regarding mindset. And if you're curious about that, and I've had conversations with Super Bowl champions, Olympians, executives, amazing people, and they're always great listens. So, you know, you can feel free to go wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, online, and you can just go listen to those things. But I mean, this has been, I love this space. Because I try and offer this similar type of space when I have people on my podcast. And so it's so, like, it just feels amazing to be in a place where it's, I feel like it's being reciprocated by someone like yourself, Corey. And it's always nice to be able to, you know, have these open conversations and just, and dive into this type of stuff with a fellow athlete. Appreciate you taking the time to listen today. I love Keegan's ability to play in that intersection that brings joy, confidence, and passion all into play at once. They're all flow triggers, so it's no wonder that life is better when we have those present. Share this episode with a friend, a family member, a teammate who could benefit from Keegan's story and perspective. We all go further together, remember? If you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday.